Welcome to the Move With Us podcast, where we talk all things health, fitness, relationships and life. Welcome back. Today we have Sarah Anderson. She is a women's health physio specialist. That was a bit of a mouthful. (laughs) We have her on the podcast today because Sarah actually helped me create the Get Started program. And Sarah's job within that program was to do all of the pre and postnatal swaps, exercise swaps, which was a pretty massive part. It basically was what enabled us to have it be a, a pregnancy and postpartum program. So we got Sarah on board and she helped with all of those swaps but I thought today I would get her in and just have a bit more of a conversation around pregnancy postpartum and women's health so welcome Sarah thank you thank you yeah so much for having me on it's a pleasure to be here and whatever knowledge that I can help anyone in your community no I'm I'm very excited I have so many questions I was already talking to Sarah before we started recording and everyone's like stop we need to actually record this so give us a bit of a spiel on what your background and experiences are in the area yeah so I graduated a physio degree at Bond on the Gold Coast in 2017 and in that degree we didn't get too much pelvic health knowledge it might have been a two-hour lecture on the anatomy of the pelvic floor and a little bit of pregnancy but really no more than a couple hours yeah that's pretty crazy so I'm guessing you maybe did a bit more study on that specific area then yeah I got towards the end of my degree not knowing I'd be interested in pelvic health. Yeah. One of my girlfriends who was in my cohort was really into pelvic health and I had no idea about it. And we learned that physios do internal the vaginal exams yeah. and my girlfriend Rachel and I at the time were like, hell no, that's not for us at all. And then my very last placement, I just said, maybe I'll just try a placement at Pindara on maternity ward yeah. and just see how I like it. Yeah. Ended up loving it and I couldn't believe how much I learned in four weeks from a place than ever in my entire life being a you know a woman. Yeah. So I think that really sparked a massive interest in me. So I graduated, went straight into private practice, yeah. and then from there I did multiple postgrad courses to yeah. become qualified. Yeah. Pretty much started seeing pelvic health clients about six months into my career, and then yeah. I've never looked back since. So wow. I just found a big gap that a lot of women they're not told what to do, they haven't got the education behind them, and it's just a really hard thing to know. You're really it's it's really hard and I feel like it's still not taken entirely seriously what I mean by that is you kind of have people who know about it and you have people who don't and from personal experience when I was pregnant I actually went to a women's health physio to get my pelvic floor assessed and they also assess like your ab separation and everything like that and the first person I went to and probably if I didn't have the background just in training and stuff I would have listened to this woman but she basically said to me she's like oh listen your pelvic pelvic floor is perfectly fine everything's perfectly fine because you're fit you don't really need to do much else just like continue on and I was like I'm pretty sure I need to be doing like pelvic floor exercises and stuff I just wasn't entirely sure what I needed to do which is why I was going there she's like oh see you in 12 weeks like halfway through second trimester at that point and I was like oh I just don't feel entirely comfortable with that advice so I ended up going and seeing someone else who was much more thorough and gave me a much more in-depth layout of what I should be doing But it did get me thinking at the time. I was like, if you're not entirely across or if you haven't heard about what you maybe should be doing and you go to get yourself checked out and that's essentially the advice that you get, then you're going to go through your whole pregnancy without any proper advice and you're going to get to the end and you're going to have the physio who comes and checks on you in your birth suite being like, have you done X, Y, and Z? And you're just going to be like, oh no, I didn't know I had to. Like, it's pretty crazy to me. It's a really hard one. 
and the client too may maybe don't need to do the pelvic floor exercises during pregnancy, it's really important that we explain why. So if your pelvic floor might be a five out of five strength, you can turn it on well, turn it off well. And if we haven't got to do too much retraining for that, then we explain exactly why that is. If you are a fit, active, healthy woman, then often you might have a strong pelvic floor. It doesn't mean that you have have a pelvic floor that might be able to relax well with the breath and coordinate that. So, But if you can, then it's really important to be educated and told or explained why you shouldn't be doing pelvic floor exercises. So that's why I think we spend so much time in the clinic just explaining what we're doing, why we're doing it, just so it gives you the idea of, okay, I'm doing this for this reason. Otherwise, you kind of get given pelvic floor exercises or you get given a hip stretch. No, and you're kind of like, do I really need to be doing this? Like, what, what is the purpose of this? Like, there's just not much explanation. And I just, yeah, I feel like everything's still really blasé when it comes to women health especially during pregnancy and I get that often if you have a pregnancy situation where you might not be able to train maybe you have really bad morning sickness like there's obviously sometimes when you don't have an ability to train and I get that and that is perfectly fine like you have to listen to your body but if you can train you kind of want to know what can I do to enhance this pregnancy for not just myself but for my baby and I'll get your feedback on this but I've kind of been told in the past exercising during pregnancy as long as it's within the realms of reasonable is actually quite good for your health and your baby's health. 100%. And I think why it's so, it could be so blase is that the research changes every single year. That to me is crazy. Yeah, it's 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 crazy, but it's a really exciting time yeah. because I think I'm excited that I'm in the industry in this time of, you know, where the research is because it is changing so rapidly. Yeah. But it's the research we have now on exercise guidelines in pregnancy and postpartum, ab separation, rehab, recovery guidelines, it's the best it's ever been. So whilst it is still quite blase, it is still the best we've got. Yeah. And that's why I think not all physios who practice in pelvic health are attending the updates of research yeah. too. So it is challenging to keep it's hard for me to yeah. keep yeah. up to date with a lot of things. So that's why I guess there is a lot of information that can get misconstrued. So I was like Googling, like you do the typical Google, how to get back into training, how to work on your core because your core just, it feels weak. The ability to engage it just isn't there. So immediately I'm like, okay, like how can I start working on my core? And no word of a lie, from one article to the next, it was like do crunches every day. And the next article was like, whatever you do, don't do crunches. And it's like, oh my God, like how does anyone gain any piece of legit information? Yeah. And- you're only human you know you've got to google because yeah. you are human yeah. so that's just, no, that's just in our nature but that's why it's so important to go and see what's yeah. the video and just get the latest updates and the guidelines but coming back to your point before about how important exercise is it's actually the research is now changing to say that if you could actually be doing yourself and your baby a disservice by not exercising in pregnancy and yeah. that's how much it's changed and flipped around i think previously with the guidelines we've been so strict and we've been so so strict yeah which isn't a bad thing but it kind of is because we know that if you exercise in pregnancy then it can reduce your labor time like it can reduce tear it can improve your mental health postpartum recovery there is the list could go on and on of the benefits and that's why i think we're really trying to push women if you're able to without contraindications to exercise in pregnancy that's really important to try and do that and again like you were saying if you can't then that is completely fine but it is in my opinion as a clinician like my number one tip try and get moving if you're not doing anything 
that's fine and I will never push something on anyone, but I try and list the benefits in a really non-judgmental and gentle way. Yeah. I really try and encourage women just to move because your benefits are endless. And so what would you say, like if someone's listening to this at the moment and maybe they haven't been moving or doing much during pregnancy and they're wanting to start, what would be your basic rundown on what they could do? And is there a point in pregnancy where if they haven't been exercising, they shouldn't start? So the guidelines back in 2020, they basically said they recommend half an hour of exercise every single day during the week and two of those days being some form of strength or resistance. So that could be for at least maybe half an hour. If you're new to pregnancy, you've never really trained or been physically active consistently pre-pregnancy, they recommend doing that program, but maybe start with 15, 20 minutes and see how you feel. You can work up to half an hour for those two days a week. Yeah. So doing the strength and resistance is what the guidelines recommend, but clinically, I 100% recommend it. And walking is great for mental health and cardiovascular fitness as well, but I really do feel that strength and resistance is so important. Yeah. Especially in that second trimester, there's a lot of, there's a big surge of estrogen and progesterone. So the whole relaxing thing, I might just debunk that now because everyone Yeah, I was literally told like even be mindful of if you're doing like a shoulder press because of the relaxant in your body, like you can not dislocate your shoulder, but like you can just really easily overdo it if you go too hard. Yeah. So I was like, I was a little bit scared. Like I was like, if I squat, are all my hip ligaments, I don't know the problem. Are we all just going to? Is everything just going to go? Yeah. So what happens when you first fall pregnant, your relaxin will peak. So it gets higher and higher. It peaks at 12 weeks pregnancy and that plateaus to the rest of your pregnancy. So it won't keep rising. What does rise is estrogen and progesterone. So they're the softening hormones. So they will soften the ligaments that connect the bones together, especially around your hips. So around that second trimester, those ligaments will soften even more. They're very stable. They're not going to fracture. Obviously, unless you have a terrible accident, or any of you do, but they do, you're still very stable. But things just get softer and things just move more, which means if you do strength training and, you know, stability work around your hips and your upper back, in all different areas, particularly around your hips, so that lumbar pelvic spine, that can reduce your risk of pelvic girdle pain and lower back pain in pregnancy and the round ligament pain, the pubic symphysis pain too. So in that second trimester, I really try and focus around lower limb strengthening. When it comes to your third trimester, you're going to be getting ready for that fourth trimester. So you're going to be holding the baby. You'll be like this for five hours a day. Endless, endless. (laughs) But your back gets really sore. Your neck gets really tight as well. So doing having a focus around upper body strengthening in the third trimester can actually really help you just, again, navigate that postpartum period. So obviously I wouldn't just do lower body and just do upper body. But having more of a focus. But having more, if you're tired or you can't be bothered, then maybe do an upper body workout towards the end of your pregnancy. Again, that will change if you're having any discomfort. So if you have any hip pain, maybe focus around that instead. But everyone, like no pregnancy is the same. No, and even people who fall pregnant multiple times have different pregnancies within their own. So I completely get it. And it's hard to be specific because everyone is so different. But a question I do get a lot is if they haven't been training and they're, say, like halfway through their second trimester or at their third, like when should they not really start training if they haven't been? There's really no point that I wouldn't start exercising in pregnancy unless you've been advised to not by your obstetric care provider. So unless you've been contraindicated to 
exercise in pregnancy, then there's no reasoning why you shouldn't start even a gentle program, so gentle movement. And if you think about it, if you're going to work, if you're doing housework, if you're doing exercise, yeah. why are we avoiding doing some gentle, controlled environment yeah. exercise and we're doing it all the time anyway? So when you look at it that way, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, like we actually are doing sports, like we're standing off a toilet or yeah. a chair every day. Yeah. So doing sports in the gym when you're pregnant isn't too bad. And it is interesting. Like a question I got a lot of during pregnancy whilst I was working out is, was I still weight training? And I think there was like, just from what I could gather, a bit of a mood around people being a little bit scared when it came to weight training. But if for me, like I found weight training really easy to manipulate during pregnancy because regression is so simple. Like you can regress weight, you can regress reps, sets, you know, even range of motion, like it's so easy to manipulate a workout. And that's why often workouts aren't hugely different or weren't personally for me. It was more so just slightly regressing them. And most of that came down to weight reduction, or maybe instead of using a barbell for a hip thrust, potentially using a band or a dumbbell. So that obviously it's not sitting across my stomach. So it was really interesting. That's something I definitely found quite easy. And probably if I had the foresight, or what I would try to do potentially if I was to have another pregnancy is really work up to that point of fitness before falling pregnant so that I had that easy regression because it made everything so simple. Like I found it really easy. And that's why I like the Get Started program because it's not really categorizing putting pregnant women over here, post-pregnancy over here and then everyone else here. It just, it keeps everyone really included. Well, that was, so while I was pregnant, I always felt like people were like, oh, what program are you doing? And a lot of the time I would just take a program that Move With Us was running, whatever it might have been, and I would do that program and I'd make my own adjustments. Now, obviously, I understand that not everyone feels comfortable doing that, and I I get that completely, which is another reason for this program, but I never wanted to feel like I had to do a separate program, like a program that was like purely pregnancy-based that was probably too easy for me, if I'm being honest, at the time. Like, I still wanted to feel like I was challenging myself in my own way, and so that's why with the Getting Started program, I didn't want to segregate pregnant women or women who are postpartum because I do feel like you're already semi-segregated anyway. You know, everyone's a bit like, oh, you're pregnant. Like, are you sure you can do this? And the last thing you really want is to feel that even more with like the program that you're doing. Like you kind of just want to be able to do what everyone else is doing. And you don't want to have any more rules. Like there no. are so many rules in pregnancy. So it's many. such a vulnerable time. Oh my God, the food rules. Yeah. <laughs> I still have a bit of like PTSD where I'll like go to eat something like can I eat this because like you think about it so much and then I'm like oh my god I'm not I'm not pregnant anymore just eat it yeah and unfortunately the judgment too in pregnancy whether it's in the gym yeah if you have one sip of wine not saying that that's you know each to their own like there are the guidelines out there for a reason not to push that aside but I think when it comes to exercise in pregnancy I always recommend go and see your obstetrician if you're not seeing OB go and see your GP go and see a physio who's training women's health like go and get cleared first because at the end of the day we want to make sure you're safe and yeah. if you have that clearance then we want you to try and really run with that but yeah it's a really tough thing when you're pregnant for the first time because there are so many things that you can and can't do and we're trying to with exercise in pregnancy trying to remove the can't do's and yeah. try and promote more of the can do's yeah and just try and make it not a fearful place because yeah. I have clients all the time who come to me saying they were squatting in the 
gym and someone told me that they're going to get a prolapse by squatting in the gym like yeah. <laughs> what do you think you do when you stand up out of a chair you know like it's yeah things like that and you know people judging women who are lifting weights with if they've got a pregnant belly like it's just it, it, unfortunately it happens and unfortunately it might get worse when you have a baby yeah. but I guess just being really aware that that's going to happen is really important to protect you mentally physically emotionally because yes the physical side is really important but I think it's so important to know that with advice that you get in pregnancy just whether you want to hear it or not but maybe be mindful about how much advice you actually want to listen to yeah. because if you're someone who takes everything on board it's a really vulnerable time and it might be a place for you to say you don't want to hear the advice or you don't want to you know not deal with it but you may not be ready to deal with everyone's opinion yeah. you know get your medical professional advice get your close friends and family's advice if you feel like you, you want it but it can be a really really hard place to navigate and when you listen to multiple podcasts and people's birth stories it's just it's endless and it's it's so different and I felt like when I would listen to stuff a lot of the time it probably was real okay TikTok was the worst I'd go on TikTok and obviously it would target me with pregnancy stuff but it would all be so tragic and I just was like sometimes it's not worth listening to advice whether it's from your great aunt or TikTok or whatever it is when it's so heavy and so worrying and I think do you know what I mean like I think there's a lot of I think everyone's really different with their personality too and I think it's really important to hear some of the bad stories too as it's to say like we don't want to be naive and ignorant to what could go wrong or what could happen yeah because a lot of the time birth trauma is a very real thing and it could be physical it could be mental it could be emotional trauma and that's why I think if women aren't aware of anything any of the risks at all that could be even worse no a hundred percent I agree I think it's just choosing your channels because when you are going through that like especially pregnancy or even more so postpartum when you open yourself up to too much advice I think you have to pick and choose who you choose to listen to and what you choose to listen to because it can become really overwhelming and you're already in a heightened state like your emotions your everything is so heightened and then to listen to too much negativity it can actually become quite overwhelming when it might not even need to be like you might not even ever need to go through that kind of thing yeah and then again there's so much more research coming out about how we can avoid these things from happening yeah. whether it's in the pregnancy phase birthing phase post-pregnancy phase. I think that's amazing honestly because from what so many different people have told me and from what I see like there's just there's been a lack of empathy and yeah education around what's happening during pregnancy and during birth and, and postpartum so with that what I've heard a lot of during pregnancy is pelvic floor prolapse mm-hmm. they're probably my the two biggest things when I was going through pregnancy that I was reading a lot about and hearing a lot about so in terms of pelvic floor like what can women be doing to help with their pelvic floor to avoid prolapse because does prolapse happen during pregnancy or does it happen during birth it can happen at any point in your life so clients can have can come into the clinic with a prolapse but not have any kids yeah so a common example would be someone with a chronic history of constipation where they strain often more often than not someone with respiratory illnesses and might be coughing and and bearing down quite a lot blowing their nose also coughing can cause that downward descent on the pelvic floor so your pelvic floor essentially it's like a hammock so it sits in that hammock it sits your bladder uterus and your bowel yeah if you're constantly putting downward pressure where you're 
coughing, 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 yeah. straining, 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 yeah. sneezing repeatedly. Even hay fever clients can have a mild degree of prolapse there. Wow, I would never have known that. That's how it can start. But, yeah, during pregnancy, again, with the softening of the hormone of the ligaments too, it can affect the muscles. The muscles generally have to take a bit more load. Mm. But, again, if we can keep our pelvic floor strong, keep that hammock strong, we can minimise that down the descent because it will. It generally does get a bit weaker in pregnancy. So keeping it strong is really important, but not keeping it too strong is also really important. Yeah. So clients, and I see this quite a lot, is my girls who are in the gym often, which is absolutely amazing. I often find occasionally they can have overactive pelvic floor. Yeah. So they're really good at turning on, but not so good at letting go. Yeah, okay. So it's really about finding that sweet spot of like not overdoing it, but also not underdoing it. Yeah, and that's why getting a pelvic floor assessed can be really important before you start doing any pelvic floor training. And that, that doesn't just indicate for pregnancy. That's, you know, for everyone. Yeah. It's really important to get assessed first. But, yeah, so with a prolapse too, if you have a any weakening of pelvic floor, if you have a tear in pelvic floor, if you have a strain of ligaments that hold up your organs, so bladder, uterus, and bowel, you can have some descent of the bladder, uterus, cervix coming down into that vaginal space. So that's what we term as a prolapse. And it's really, really important to get people to be aware of the severity of a prolapse labs and how clinically relevant it is mm-hmm. so previously and i think this changed only a few years ago it must have been maybe two or three years ago is that we now consider a stage one prolapse so just a mild degree of descent around your bladder or your bowel to be considered normal okay. which is really good for people yeah. to know because previous to that we would diagnose a client could come to the clinic with a slight bit of anterior wall prolapse yeah. movement around the bladder and we would say you have a stage one prolapse yeah which could feel quite overwhelming that word alone 100% it's it's so it can be so um it's a scary word to hear yeah so now we know that's actually normal it's only when you have two things so to have a truly clinically diagnostic product you've got to have the feeling of a vaginal bulge something yeah. that's sitting inside the vagina number two is at least a stage two prolapse where yeah. that means your bladder or bowel or cervix should come all the way down to the entrance of the vagina when you strain yeah. it's only on a strain so it's yeah. really clinically relevant it's really um significant and so having a bit of movement there could be considered normal yeah so it's only until you get assessed properly and you you hear that 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 can be really reassuring it's super common but it's just good to know that it's really common but it can be treated yeah. and no one really speaks about prolapse and that's half the problem too is yeah. that when you get diagnosed with whether it's stage one stage three or prolapse then no one really speaks about it and so you really feel alone so is is anyone more susceptible to prolapse than others like is there a yeah there is there are certain conditions so connective tissue disorders like Ehlers Danlos syndrome yeah. they can be more susceptible where the ligaments are very stretchy yeah the clients who have family history of prolapse they're yeah. more, more prone to having prolapse yeah. in terms of birth it's things like having a baby over four kilos or pushing for a really long time yeah. so that prolonged pushing phase can really put you at risk so what would be what would be a long pushing phase like what would so be what we try and recommend is a really fast label birth yeah. can do similar effects in terms of pelvic floor injuries because really cool. it's too quick yeah. yeah yeah so the sweet spot is you could push your baby out in like half an hour yeah. to maybe an hour and 20 yeah. that would be ideal yeah but again there are so many factors that come into play it's like how big is your baby yeah, yeah. so that that in terms of 
talking just time, that would be the ideal time. I think a lot of hospitals now cut it off at two hours. I know not everyone does. And oh, I wow, that's so interesting. Pushing their baby out for three plus hours and it makes me upset inside a little bit. Yeah. It, you know, it's fine. And if you were someone who had a baby, you were pushing your baby out for three plus hours, it's okay because, again, our research, our pelvic floor training is the best it's ever been. Yeah. So we can help you more than we ever could previously. Yeah. So that's why I always say, in case you had that type of labour, it's okay. Like we can we can still treat that. Yeah. It's just nice to know. That's why we go through kind of a birth prep consult when you're around 34 weeks pregnant in yeah. the clinic. So we kind of go through all the scenarios yeah. and we help you make your own informed decision. Yeah, which I think is really important. Like I think, and that's what I guess. So for anyone who is potentially about to be pregnant or, you know, currently pregnant at the early stages, seeing a women's health physio is, God, I find that such a mouthful for but some reason. It's taken me a few years to get it right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> But seeing a specialist is going to give you so much knowledge so that you have your own power within to make decisions when probably like scenarios are being thrown at you as well. Like I think it's really important to see someone who's on your side completely, who knows you and has gone through the whole journey with you. So that way, like at any point you can seek help. And I think that's really important. Yeah, there are so many things that even if you go through public or private system, like if you were to see your physio regularly, throughout your pregnancy then you can ask some questions like is this swelling around my vulva or my lower limbs yeah or you know things like that and we can screen you for for any situation where you might need to go back and see your gp or your ob so it's just someone who we can yeah we can definitely be that support person for you if you haven't got one or just an extra person as a voice oh 100% it definitely helps so another question i had so that's probably the biggest thing i hear during pregnancy is pelvic floor postpartum is ab separation and one of the biggest questions with even within the get started program was do the postnatal swaps cover the ab separation what's the correct diastasis rectus diastasis rectus so a lot of women were asking whether that program or those swaps cover that and so we did speak to you and those they do but could you go into a little bit more depth about how they focus on i guess that rehabilitation yeah so going back to when you're talking about crunches before yeah so we we used to say no flexion of the trunk, so no crunches until about six weeks postpartum. Yeah. That's now out the window. That's crazy. And now we say do it straight away if you can. Yeah. If you can and ideally if you have no doming. So abdominal doming happens when essentially you have your six-pack muscles down the midline of your stomach. Yeah. And down that midline between those two lines of muscles, you have a big piece of fascia called your linear alba. Yeah. So when you're not pregnant, that fascia is really thick. It's like a scotch fillet steak thickness. Wow. Once you become pregnant, that fascia will just stretch out. So yeah. it won't rip, it won't tear, it just gets stretchier. Yeah. But you can have a feeling of it almost like stretching a little bit or, t- or tearing, but it yeah. won't tear again, it will just stretch. Once bub comes out, that's going to thicken up again. But that could take time. If it's taking a bit more time than, you know, in life, or again, you may have doming pretty early until yeah. you actually recover yeah. as the weeks go by. If you do a crunch or a step out of bed and you have like a bit of a Toblerone shape coming up through your tummy, yeah. that's your internal organs just gently pushing through the overstretched fascia yeah. because it hasn't already thickened up yet yeah. and again that comes down to genetics as well yeah. and ab strength time. as well and time how you big your 
baby was, yeah. where the baby was sitting. So there's so many different factors. Yeah. So if you can do a crunch in the couple weeks, couple days even post-birth, and you, your abs come in and there's no doming, then that's actually a really good thing. Yeah. Because by doing a crunch, that literally brings your abs together. Yeah. There was a really big focus around doing TA work, and that's transverse abdominus work. So that's a muscle, like a big corset muscle. It's the deepest layer yeah. of the core. And the, with the way the fibers of that muscle goes, it actually goes from the middle of your stomach around to your spine. Yeah. So when it contracts, it actually pulls and, outwards and away yeah. from the midline of your stomach. Yeah. So we were doing TA retraining for postpartum diastasis recta for years until new research came out and said, well, hang on, why aren't we doing crunches? Because yeah. when you literally do a crunch, abs come together. Just, yeah. We do, and I know like there's a way few physios listen to this who are thinking about the fascial tension as well and we want to make sure that when you are putting your abs in by doing a crunch, you can create adequate tension down the midline. So again, if I press in through through to your or again if I press in through towards your abs and I can feel quite a lot of softening in your internal organs through there then we haven't quite thickened up yet yeah. and that's okay again we could make compression garments we could still do core strength exercises too yeah. but yeah that's why it's so exciting now we can do so exciting yeah. yeah and it makes sense like you literally do a crunch and your abs come in so why weren't we doing it 10 years ago yeah my physio said the same thing she was like do crunches as soon as you can like even if it's just 10 a day one set like do them and I was like are you sure everything I've read she's like no that's like older research definitely if you can do it like start so again I just found that really interesting and I think a lot of people who might not know that it's and that's why it's so confusing because this is such new research and so it is confusing some are aware and others yeah. are and that's completely fine as well but it's it's hard for the person who has just had a baby and they just want to know what to do yeah that's why again in that birth prep consult we go we give you like a list of exercises and what to do straight yeah. away even process area post vaginal birth and then we see you again at three week postpartum and just get you started on some gentle core stuff as well yeah and that's why the the get started program too like we can do a lot of the, yeah. the crunches in that program yeah. again if you have no doming so I, I can't stress this enough. It, it's, it's really important to go and see a physio in your yes. health is trained just to make sure um, your abs are working correctly. Um, they're not too overactive for your obliques and they are engaging quite correctly with the breath and the pelvic floor and whatnot. Well, before starting any exercise and even this program that is for postnatal, I would always recommend, like even I saw a women's health physio before I started anything. And I have been a coach for, I think like seven years now like I'm fully comfortable in the gym but I'm fully aware that that is not my area and I need to I wanted to make sure that I was completely ready to step back into the gym before I did so and how I was going to step back into the gym kind of would be determined based on what the advice I was getting so I think it's really important like no matter what you're about to do if you're postpartum or if you're currently pregnant always see a specialist who can assess you as an individual because everyone is slightly different yeah and again, like it's all well and good for me to say, yes, do crunches straight away. But your postpartum journey may look completely different. Everyone's is going to be a bit different. And that could, again, mental health could play a role, emotional health, physical health. So, you know, if you feel up to it, you definitely, it's okay to do it if you've been cleared by a physio. But, you know, if you don't get to them until 10 months postpartum, that is completely fine. You've got time and everyone's slowly walking their own race. It's not a run. It's just a, at your own pace. So we've covered the big 
things. Like we've covered pelvic floor, we've covered prolapse, we've covered ab separation. But what about just general fatigue and discomfort? Because I know that sometimes it's not necessarily a major issue, but like I know that women get back pain or just feel stiff and tired. What are things that you would recommend doing maybe even outside of exercise? Like for me, I found that I would get a massage once a month and it sounds silly, but that massage, honest to God, saved me. Like it was a proper remedial massage, obviously pregnancy safe the way I had it done, but it really helped release a lot of my pain and discomfort, which you do start to carry around the heavier you get. Are there other things that you would recommend if women may just be feeling a bit tired, fatigued, and therefore maybe not wanting to train because they just don't have the energy? You really need to listen to your body. And I guess the guidelines now, I've kind of not kind of thrown them out, but I'm a bit more liberal with them now. So I always say if it feels good, do it. And if it doesn't, don't. Yeah. Let's keep so, it simple. It's so simple, but it's so true. And that's the same postpartum as well. Yeah. Like if you're not feeling it, don't do it. You know, and if you if you want to do something or if you have this big list of exercises, maybe just do a bit of breathing. Listen yeah. to a five-minute meditation. I think setting small goals for everything, not even pregnancy and postpartum, is really important. Like small achievable goals is really important. If clients come into me saying, like, my hips sore, I just I'm tired, yeah, that's totally fine. Like yeah. usually if there's hip pain or back pain, I'll get them in and we'll do a release. And that can be a game changer as well, as yeah. a massage can be. So I definitely recommend all those therapies yeah. too if it's working for you keep doing it but you really listen to what your body is wanting if you're exhausted yeah. if you're working really long hours or if you yeah. have multiple kids who need your attention to at home then again that's different and it's a case-by-case basis so yeah. whilst we say yes exercise 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 that might not be feasible for you so working on your mindset maybe like reading a book or going for yeah. a really slow five minute walk yeah. be really really small goals I think is the best way to achieve them yeah I love that honestly I can't stress enough like during my pregnancy seeing someone outside of my OB because the OB is she's very focused on your you but she's also very focused on the baby and it's from a very medical standpoint whereas I think when seeing a women's health physio you get the medical side but you also get the personal like oh I just don't feel great today and you get that help and you get that assistance you know your OB probably isn't addressing your back pain maybe they are maybe they're <laughs> but that's that'd I, be amazing yeah. oh <laughs> that's what I mean I just think like it's really important to go that extra mile and have and if you can see someone who can help you with all of that and I can't stress enough how helpful it was to have a women's health physio during my pregnancy and and postpartum well thank you so much for coming in today it was so helpful just to get you reiterating how the get started program helps but also just pregnancy and postpartum in general I know it can be a really hard road to kind of map out so hearing what you had to say was so helpful definitely happy to be here and hopefully yeah help someone out there you know have a bit more clarity about what to do pregnancy so yeah thanks for having me definitely thanks sarah